Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America College podcast, along with Aaron Fitt on the left coast. I am John Manuel. This podcast is powered by Louisville Slugger. Leave your mark with a 2014 attack, raid, and assault bat lineup this season. Stronger, lighter, farther. Louisville Slugger. Aaron, you've gone farther uh, than you've gone all year. You're about as far as you can get uh, out in the Pacific Northwest, uh, back on Pacific Coast time, which I'm sure you enjoy. But uh, you went to uh, plenty of games this weekend. You took part in the Oregon-Oregon State rivalry, which is uh, oddly called the Civil War. It's odd to me anyway. Um, But uh, Oregon-Oregon State for a couple games. You saw Portland and the University of San Francisco in a West Coast Conference tilt. And then you finished up with a doubleheader in Seattle. Eddie Vedder, Pearl Jam, as a UW uh, take, took on its rival, Washington State. So let's just dive right into the West Coast talk. Um, UW, you, you saw UW for two games. You saw Oregon State for two games. They both won those games against pretty good competition. Um, which team, off the top of your head, Aaron, is the better team? Um, I think Oregon State. I, I still think Oregon State, to me, is, is the class of, of the Pac-12. I, that was my expectation coming into this weekend, and, and I still feel that way. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, um, the Beavers, to me, just, just feel so complete, and um, I was impressed. I was impressed with them. I mean, you know, n- neither one of these teams um, – is, is Oregon State or Washington, neither one of them is really swinging hot bats right now, but uh, I just think the Beavers have a little bit more firepower in the middle with Conforto and Davis. I think that's a real separator, um, and I just think the you know the toughness and experience and the postseason experience of that Oregon State team is a separator. Now, that said, I also like what I saw from Washington. I, I thought they were, um, I thought they were very good on defense. That was the thing that jumped out most to me about them, you know, and, 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 um, Tracy Meggs, excuse me, Lindsay Meggs talked about this earlier this year. You know, they're so strong up the middle. That's really one of the major strengths of this team. They've got veteran guys up the middle, and they all defend. And, and you know, I thought in particular um, Andrew Ely at second base and, and Eric Forgione at, at shortstop. Those guys are smooth. Um, so, you know, that to me was a key to their doubleheader sweep yesterday is, um, you know, they, they, they picked it and they turned, they turned a bunch of double plays and, you know, their pitching is, is pretty darn solid. And, you know, Tyler Davis, um, was excellent yesterday as he has been all year. He's just been so consistent for them. Uh, fastball changeup guy is not going to blow you away, but he knows how to pitch. And then, um, Jake Brigham was outstanding, you know, in, in the finale there, it just, a guy that has a huge arm and can reach back for 96 when he wants it. Um, but, you know, I thought he was very effective pitching 91-93 with his arm side bore that just got a ton of ground balls. It's very heavy. Um, you know, there must be some problem with the Earth's gravitational pull here plus, in Seattle because it's, it's heavy. Um, so, <laughs> thank you. Automatic plus two. You beat, me anyway. to the, you beat me to my favorite Back to the Future reference. <laughs> Well, you know, I knew you were going to go there, so I figured I would just I would go there first. But, um, you know, I think Washington, they're going to host a regional. Um, they're certainly good enough to win a regional. I like their pitching and defense, and I like the fact uh, that they grind you on offense, and you know, they seem to have a lot of resilience and, and belief in themselves. And uh, I really enjoyed talking with, with um, you know, their, their senior outfielder, um, Brian Wolf. Um, you know, that guy's had a really nice year for them. He's their leading hitter. He's in about 400. Very cerebral guy, you know, and, and he, he just was talking about, uh, um, you know, how much – this team, you know, they've matured over the last couple of years. Uh, it's it's been a growing process, and now they just I don't know they just have it going. It, just, it feels like the the chemistry for both of these teams, Oregon State and Washington, um, is very good, and that matters. It really, really matters in college baseball. Aaron, uh, two follow ups on that. You mentioned you know Washington's going to host a regional. 
Is that for sure? Because it really feels like their RPI is going to take a pretty big hit here coming up. Even though they play Utah at Utah, still Utah's RPI is pretty low. They've got Grand Canyon. They've got Bethune-Cookman, Seattle. They do finish at Oregon State and at home against UCLA, but could their RPI take enough of a hit that maybe they uh, that it could sink their top eight national seed choice uh, chances? Or if they win that series at Oregon State and win the Pac-12, uh, could they both host and be a, a top eight national seed? Um, you know, you cut out a little bit on me there, so I didn't, I didn't quite hear the whole question. Um, but but I think you're asking if both Washington and Oregon State can be national seeds. Is that the question? I, mostly I was asking about Washington. Could Washington still be a top eight national seed, even though it's the rest of its schedule is fairly weak, with the exception of that series at Oregon State? Yeah, no, you're right. That that series is, is huge for, for Washington. If they if they win out, they'll be, they'll be a national seed if they win the rest of their series. Um, you know, and... and yeah, they could take an RPI hit with Bethune-Cookman. But, you know, the thing about Bethune-Cookman is they don't have a terrible overall record. I mean, their RPI isn't great. It's in the 200s, 236. But uh, they don't have a terrible record, um, you know, at 20 and 26. So that part of the, the strength of schedule part of the, of the RPI isn't going to kill them. Um, so, you know, I think they'll still be in decent shape RPI-wise. Um, and if they win that series at Oregon State, I think that's the key. I think that that gets them a national seed if they can win that thing. Um, I, I don't think this is a two-national seed conference, um, you know, just because it, the Pac-12 is so down. And, you know, I think it's possible that whoever wins this league will have an RPI in the teens, which um, lately we haven't seen an RPI team, you know, outside the top 11 or 12 last year few years um you know 2009 was the last time we had a, a lower seeded rpi or a lower rpi team um get a national c but I, I do think the team that wins the pac-12 will get one especially since washington and oregon state have been so steady this year they both um i think are deserving of it rpi notwithstanding so um but i think only one of them will get one and, and it, it will just come down to that series in corvallis uh, in a couple of weeks aaron the other kind of uh, big story in the pac-12 this weekend it was a big rivalry weekend was USC sweeping um, UCLA, the defending national champions, really on the ropes. We've talked about that all year, though. But how about the Trojans? Now 12-9 and nine in the league, up to 47 in the Warren Nolan RPI that I'm looking at, trying to, trying to get on the, on the page with you there. Um, USC now tied Oregon State for third in the league. Oregon swept by the Beavers. The Ducks are now in fifth in the league, but their RPI is pretty healthy. Um, you know, the, the, we dropped the Ducks out of the rankings. We didn't really talk about USC in the, in the rankings, meaning I don't think the Trojans are a top 25 team, but they've won nine straight games. Uh, they've got Nigel Newbar, which is just a lot of fun to say. Um, what, what's got the Trojans on this win streak, and can they sustain this and, and get back to regionals for the first time since 2005? Yeah, i got to say um, I'm, I'm fairly excited uh, about USC's surge because this is one that actually making me, me look a little bit good. I mean, I've, I've been wrong about plenty this year. You know, I had the wrong sleeper team up here in the Evergreen State. I thought it was Washington State, um, you know, and Washington wasn't really – and they were on my radar, but, I, I, you know, I didn't have any expectations for this Washington team. And, and Washington has been amazing. Washington State has been a disappointment. But, but USC, I, I, think I, I think I was right. I think USC will be in a regional, um, as I predicted in the preseason. Um, you know, and they give Dan Hubbs credit, you know. I mean, I, I think this guy's a, a – pretty darn good coach who doesn't necessarily get his due and hey he's he's, he's still inexperienced as a head coach and i think he will get to do because i think 
he's the real deal. I think he's, he's very good. And um, this Trojan team is, is playing with a lot of confidence and they're pitching really well. That's the key to this surge. Um, you know, they, they, you mentioned Nigel Newtbar, certainly a, a great name, um, a guy that has had trouble throwing strikes this season. That's been a real issue for him, um, you know, for, for much of the year. Um, but, um, you know, they, they, they got some veteran guys, um, you know, like Brent Wheatley, who's, who's not going to overpower you, but a guy that uh, throws strikes. That's a guy that does, you know, compete and has, has that kind of track record. Wyatt Strahan on Friday has been outstanding. You know, he's really made the leap as a junior like we thought he would. Um, you know, their bullpen, I really like Kyle Davis back there. Uh, you know, that's the, the sophomore class is very strong, of course, with USC. And, you know, Toomey, it's interesting, hasn't been in the rotation, but um, he has been contributing out of the bullpen. Um, I, I think their lineup has come together pretty well for them um you, you know with, with swick and garrett Stubbs at the top there are players here who've been through some travails um through the course of their careers Aaron, it is, it's a, it's and a, it's a, it's a i think story. those guys the wheatley brothers and you know uh, hernandez and swick and Stubbs. i mean those guys um I, I think i think to answer your question yes i think they'll be in a regional remaining schedule they're at washington state they're home against cal those are winnable series i mean i think i still think washington state is is a solid enough team that that's not a gimme. And I, I, you know, probably on the road, you expect the Cougars to take two out of three at home. Um, and then, and then USC is home against Oregon state, but you know, uh, the Trojans are 12 and nine in the league now and, and they're in decent RPI shape. So I think they're, they're on course. That would be uh, that would be a great, I think it'd be great for college baseball to uh, have the Trojans back. I mean, I just think college baseball's better when the Trojans are good. Uh, I don't have a horse in the fight. Um, but I just think it makes sense that it's better for your sport when the program that has won the most championships in the history of your sport is good. And uh, and then Arizona State, Aaron, um, you know, backed up again this weekend, a really tough weekend, um, you know, losing that series to rival U of A. Is Arizona State in? Is this, can this team, can this be a five-bid Pac-12? It feels like it should be. We've talked about it as a four-bid league a lot this year. It feels like it might be sneaking up to a five-bid league. Yeah. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and actually, I should correct you, John. Arizona State uh, actually won that series in oh, Tucson. They took two out of three. Okay, they they lost the finale, but um, y- you know, I think Arizona State is is they're certainly they're they're fine. I think they're in good shape. They're a regional team. Um, yeah, I think if USC gets in, then we're talking about a five bid league because you've got the the four. Um, you know, kind of safe teams with the, those three Northwest teams, you know, Washington, Oregon State, and Oregon. And then um, Arizona State, I think, is still pretty safe. And then USC. So uh, it's, you know, it's not as good as the Pac-12 has been. Um, I, I just think that's pretty self-evident here. I mean, some of these teams are, are a little down talent-wise, and some of them are, are just not um, healthy, like UCLA. I mean, you know, it's UCLA, we can officially say now, they're not going to be in a regional. The defending national champions. Um, and you know what? But kudos to them for uh, battling this year. But they just they just don't have um, the healthy bodies to do it. It's just it's that's the bottom line. You know, it's it's, it's not there. So um, they're they're done. But uh, you know, this league, I don't know. There there have been some teams I hear that I have I think have underachieved some. I mean, uh, but Stanford is is it's is interesting team that still has a chance to the regional. Um, but you know. I don't know, John. It's 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 an interesting year for the Pac-12. I definitely think it's not as strong as it has been. Yeah, I think I think so. It's really you know Stanford. Is, I think there's a Monday game. Stanford Cal. Stanford wins that game. They get above 500 overall. Their RPI is strong because their non-conference schedule was you know number one or number two depending on how you look at it. Uh, strength of schedule. 
still feels like Stanford would have to finish on a pretty decent run. But it feels like if they finish above 500, both in the league and overall, Aaron, that they're probably going to they're going to be one of those teams. This is a league that we thought a couple weeks ago could be trending toward a three-bid league, if not four, maybe five outside shot at six. I, I don't know. Just It feels like it's a down year in the Pac-12, and they still might get six bids. Uh, yeah. And that's counter to the prevailing conventional wisdom of college baseball fans, especially from the West, who always think they get screwed. This year – I think the Pac-12 is going to get more bids than it probably actually deserves. And, and to piggyback on that, you know, last year the Pac, the, the West didn't get screwed at all when it came time for the selections. I mean, the bubble teams like you see Santa Barbara and San Francisco, they were outside the top 50 in the RPI. Those teams don't usually get in. Outside the top 50, don't usually get in. And last year they did. And um, you know, I, I think yeah, we acknowledge the fact that the committee has more of a, a West Coast bent. Um, right now, it has a West Coast chairman, and um, that matters. But uh, you know, I think it's a good thing that those teams got in. Um, but I'm just saying, you know, it's not like they get screwed every year. Right. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, you're right. They they could get six teams. I mean, Stanford, um, if if they can, I agree with you. I think if they finish with a winning record overall and in the league, uh, um, they will get in. Right now, they're right at 518 overall, seven and ten in the league. Um, they're three of the last five series are on the road. But, you know, they're not juggernaut teams. They're at UCLA, at Arizona, and at Utah, and they're home against Washington State. So really the meat of their schedule is behind them, but they're on the road for most of the remaining schedules. So I don't know if they're good enough to do it. I, I just think they're kind of average, um, you know, especially their pitching. I just don't really believe in it. I mean, I think Cal Quantrill, as a freshman, has been really good. As You know, he's a nice Friday guy. Um, they didn't win Friday, but he was solid. And then, you know, the, the major, John Hochstatter, um, he's <laughs> – He's been pretty good for him, but overall, um, I don't know if I if I really if I really believe in Stanford. I love that you made a major Hochstatter pull. That's good stuff. I always love the Hogan Heroes reference. Uh, great stuff, Aaron. Uh, let's move on to the Atlantic Coast Conference, uh, the league that everybody on the West Coast thinks that uh, is near and dear to our hearts. But I really think that was the best series of the week. Was uh, UVA at Florida State, and Aaron the Cavaliers remain number one in our rankings, ahead of number two Oregon State. Um, by uh, winning a series on the road at Florida State, always a difficult place to play. Passionate fans, uh, t- a home field advantage with that short porch and right field that they know how to exploit very well. And the Cavaliers went down there and they did what they do. Uh, they were shut out one game, but they scored just enough. They defended enough, and the bullpen is donkey with uh, Connor Jones and especially Nick Howard, who is just phenomenal. I mean, Connor Howard is just I mean, Con- uh, Connor Howard. Uh, Nick Howard is just so good. He's probably the best closer in the country, even as good as Nick Birdie is. I think if I had to save one game, I think I'd pick Nick Howard. But that said, Aaron, Florida State's not the number one team, not the ACC leader. Virginia is not the ACC leader. It's now Miami, and the U sweeps a series at Clemson, which is now 2-10 and 10 against Baseball America top 25 teams. And the U, Aaron, is now sitting in first place in the Atlantic Coast Conference, they've won nine out of ten. They've won their last five games, nineteen and five in the league. How has the U done it? Uh, well, you know, I think John, they are, they're just they're who we kind of thought they 
played B, which is the best Miami team since 2008. I mean, we wrote that back in week two. I heard that over and over again early this season, and then they got off to that mediocre start. But now they're just, I think they're just playing up to their ability. Um, I just, I love the veterans in the rotation. I love the, the, you know, the combination of young guys in the bullpen with a couple of older guys like Salas and Woodry or, um, you know, Cooper Hammond into the, the sidewinder and, and certainly, you know, Garcia, Brian Garcia, the, the hard-throwing freshman. Those guys have been key here. This freshman class has been really important. You know, Zach Collins has gotten his back going like crazy. He's red hot. Um, you know, coming into the year, we thought I, I thought he was going to be probably a freshman of the year candidate in the country. Um, you know, for me, it was I was flip-flopping between, between him and Chris Oakey when I was trying to make my preseason pick for freshman of the year. And, and Collins, uh, after that brutal start, Boise he heated up, um, and William Bray is hitting right there in the middle of the lineup behind him. Another freshman. Those guys, you know, those guys can impact the baseball. Um, and to, uh, the other thing that I'm, I'm curious about here with Miami is, you know, when they lost David Thompson, um, they slid Johnny Ruiz in there at third base, and he did a good job, and he was a key for him. And now I guess Ruiz is out also. Um, I'm not sure what his status is going forward, but they just plug in this Edgar uh, Michelangi. I think that's how you say it. I, I, I frankly don't know that name. I don't know who he is, but uh, they, they, you know, they, apparently they're deep enough to plug guys in here and keep on winning. So, um, you know, th- this team is uh, they're they're certainly playing with some swagger again, and uh, and Clemson is reeling. Clemson is reeling. It feels like Miami once again. You know, Brian Garcia. They've yeah. I've always said that's one of Jim Morris's strongest suits and he and JTR, JD Artiaga once again have uh, figured out the bullpen piece. Miami's usually pretty good at it and feels like they've got a couple good setup men in front of Brian Garcia. Um, yeah, that's just a staple of the Miami program. And they're now they're out of conference against Merville Melendez and Alabama State. But then they come to Duke, they come to Durham and Aaron, who would have thought that Miami Duke would be a big series in ACC play? But it is because Duke has suddenly won nine in a row. And the Blue Devils look like they have a chance to be the uh, an at-large team for the first time since 1961, I believe it is. Um, we've talked about Matt, Mike Machuela. I think I just got his first name wrong, but uh, Machuela is going to be one of the top drafts in 2015 if he stays healthy. This is a four-pitch righty up to 96-97, uh, about better than that, um, who just has really flashed some real dominance this year. They've got uh, Drew Van Orden, who you liked last summer in the California Collegiate League. Uh, they've got Trent Swart, who's pitched great when he's been healthy this year. This team has real pitching depth there, and now they're starting to hit a little bit with uh, Chris Marcancini, one of the top power hitters in the ACC. Uh, Mark Lumpa draws a billion walks. He's one of the top walk guys and on-base guys in the country. Duke feels like it's legit. Yeah, I like them. I like them on paper a lot, and, and I like them when I've seen them, and um, I, I kind of I thought they, they had the look of a regional team in, in, in this BB core era uh, because they pitch and they defend. And, and their pitching is, like you said, you're exactly right. They're really deep on the mound. I mean, and, you know, Chris Pollard said it in the preseason that I think they had like 10 guys uh, hit 90 or, or more in, in, the, in the fall. And, you know, I've seen a bunch of those guys. And, um, you know, the, Van Orden and, and Suarez at the top of the rotation, those guys can really pitch. They're just veteran guys with savvy um, who, who command their off-speed stuff and you know, can um, mix speeds and locations very effectively, and and it's not it's not uh, you know weak stuff either. I mean, Van Orden I think is like an 88 to 91, 92 guy. I mean, he's, he's got some velocity, um, and then you, you come in the bullpen with uh, you know like an Andrew Isler who's just a, a, a 
a little guy with a fast arm who can come come right at you with some gas and a good slider. And uh, Robert Huber, their, their closer, tends to be an adventure with him back there. Uh, but he's better. Seems like he's better in, in in a jam, and he just finds a way. Um, and he's got he's got a power arm, you know, another another undersized guy that can reach back there. And you know, I mean, so they've they've got they've got pitching depth and um you're right that they're they're starting to hit a little bit more now jordan betts is the other key guy in the middle lineup there uh always kind of liked his swing um you know and and i think mike rosenfeld is an unsung player for duke um behind the plate guy does a really good job one of the better catch and throw guys i've seen all year um you know he really gives their pitchers a lot of confidence the point that that coach pollard made a couple weeks ago he gives their pitchers a lot of confidence because they can bury balls and he's got to smother them um and he can throw and does you know a decent job against the running game um and and he's a leader for them so that that's kind of a, a key piece for them as well if there's one AC, I think if I, the, the the most important game maybe all year in the Atlantic Coast Conference was that Sunday, April 13th game at Durham Bulls Athletic Park. NC State and Duke, NC State kind of reeling, but they had just won the previous series at Clemson. They'd split the first two games with Duke. They're winning 10-4 at Duke on a Sunday. They blow that lead. Duke wins that game with seven runs in the last two innings to win 11-10. to Duke wins that series and hasn't lost a game since then. That's the start of their nine-game win streak that looks like – now, they still have to play Florida State and Miami. They alternate weeks with them that North Carolina has, Florida State and Miami. Um, but, man, I mean, that's just a, just a huge – that was a huge pivotal game. And if Duke makes regionals and NC State does not, uh, we're going to look back at that game uh, where that uh, and what that cost the preseason number five-ranked Wolf, uh, Wolfpack. I almost said Wolfpack. But uh, uh, inside joke of the of the day, but the, the NC State beats uh, Georgia Tech this weekend. Aaron, North Carolina did what it kind of needed to do, sweeping Virginia Tech in uh, three extremely close games. Uh, feels like the ACC. Uh, you know, if NC State makes the ACC tournament, it feels like NC State still has a chance to be a regional team. Because boy, Maryland, Aaron. Uh, I, I guess the lesson here is people want you to say, "Book it." They're going. To, they're doing this. As you said last year for Mississippi State, you said book it, they're going to Omaha, they go to the finals. I say book it, Maryland's going to regionals, and Maryland has won one series since then, and this weekend they got swept at Boston College, which feels disastrous for the Terrapins at large chances. Yeah, they did win a series last week against Georgia Tech, which at that point I thought was crucial and and, you know, kinda um you know, kind of saved a season that I agree with you. I mean, they had just been going one and two every week in, in, in the conference, it seemed like. So, um, but then they get swept to BC. And, and hey, I think I think we should give Boston College some credit because um, they're you know this season could have this season could have spiraled out of control for them. They were really off to a bad start, and you know they had that long losing streak there early. Um, you know they're not going anywhere, but they keep fighting, and they've been a tough out for people. I mean, they won that road series at North Carolina State, and then they they sweep Maryland. I mean, give those guys credit because um, that they've shown some some character here, no doubt about it. And and they have a few arms there. I mean, they're not terrible. Um, they've got a little bit of talent. I mean, they're not great, but um, you know, they're they're only seventeen twenty seven. That's a series Maryland can't afford to lose at home or. or uh, um, not at home, but on the road. But it's just they can't afford to lose. Period, and and forget forget about getting swept. I mean, that's really that's really not a good weekend for Maryland. Yeah, I mean, since BC uh, lost its series uh, at Florida State, uh, they were seven and eighteen at that time. They're above five hundred since then, and that's with the series in the league uh, at, at home against North Carolina, at Notre Dame, at NC State, home against Maryland. You know, 
uh, Notre Dame is the only uh, bad team in there, quote unquote, and that's you know a series that uh, Notre Dame felt like it had to win, and, and it's still a road series. So I'm with you. Kudos to the Boston College uh, coaching staff. Uh, it's a Baseball America podcast with John and Aaron. Let's move on to the Big Twelve, Aaron. Uh, you know th- this is a this is a conference that is number two in the RPI. And yet, we only have, for a long part of the season, we've only had one Big 12 team ranked, which was Texas. But now it feels like the rest of the league is kind of caught up. And Oklahoma State wins a series against Texas this weekend. The Cowboys retain first place in the league. TCU sweeps an out-of-conference series against Cal State Northridge. Texas Tech wins a series on the road. The Red Raiders have kept winning, and they appear in the rankings now. So, OK State 18, Texas 19. Uh, TCU 17, I should say. So TCU 17, Oklahoma State 18, I think is how we did it. Texas 19, Texas Tech 21. Uh, not a clear leader uh, of which is the best team in this league. But Aaron, you have those four teams kind of st- all in the rankings now. And now West Virginia that's won six in a row. This looks like a, a league that's shaping up as a very solid five-bid league. Is it not? Yes, um, at least. You know, I, I still think um, those four teams you talked about, they're all in our rankings. And then West Virginia, you know, it's probably a five-bid league. You're right. I mean, I, th- we're actually starting to get some clarity here in the Big 12 as far as that goes because a couple of weeks ago, um, you know, I, I think you could have made a case for all nine of these teams. Um, and, uh, you know, right now it, it feels like Kansas State's done. You know, they got swept this weekend by West Virginia. They're 4-11 and in the league. Uh, Baylor is done. Um, you know, they're 5-12 and in the league. They're 150 in the RPI. Um, so those teams have faded. Oklahoma is, is done, really. I mean, they, you know, they got swept again this weekend, 5-10 and in the league. So those teams we can cross off. Uh, Kansas still kind of hanging around here in this discussion. They're 500 in the league, um, what, 58 in the RPI. So Kansas is, is still would be the potential sixth team. But it is weird to me that this league um, is the number two RPI conference, and we're still only talking about them as probably a five-bid league. Um, and, and partly that's just because, you know, the reason they're so strong in the RPI is they don't have any, any anchor teams at the bottom. You know, the lowest team is, is Baylor, 115. Everybody else is inside the top 100. So that really helps them. I mean, it's kind of going back to, not, not to get sidetracked here, but it's going back to the point that I was making last week, um, which is that the RPI kind of rewards, in some ways, mediocrity. If you're not terrible, you don't have to be great. Um, you know, to, uh, and then that you know that helps your RPI. Um, if if you're if you're a lot of games against those fifty to one hundred teams, or even the the, the one hundred to one fifty teams, um, those games are, are fine RPI games. It, it's the ones at the bottom that kill you. So, anyway, Big Twelve. Um, I do think those four teams we have in the rankings are all pretty solid. And TCU to me, somebody asked me this weekend. I was talking with Mike Rooney, really? uh, and, and you know, just a. Rooney, um, he, he asked, you know, who's who's your who's your sleeper? Omaha sleeper? Who's the team you like? Uh, and, and I and I had to think about it for a long time. I was looking all around the country, and I just nobody jumped out. And then I, it struck me, TCU. I think TCU be very dangerous in the postseason. And uh, when they get to, if they get to Omaha with their their pitching and their ability to defend, because they're strong up the middle. I I like the fact that they built their team around, you know, Keaton Jones is shortstop. I mean, that guy's is. Uh, you know, he's he's just a very solid college shortstop who makes every play, and they've got a number of guys like that. Um, I and their and their bats have come a little bit too. I think TCU right now is, strikes me as very very dangerous. I just love that pitching with, especially if Finnegan's healthy. That's the key right now, of course. <laughs> you know, he did exit a game uh, early with uh, some soreness, and um, it sounds like it's 
you know, according to reports, they expect him to start this week. It's there's nothing to to panic about, but we'll see. Um, you know, let's let's make sure he's healthy because that's obviously a big key for TCU. No doubt. I mean, the thing I love about TCU is that you you look at their stats and um, they've used ten pitchers all year, eleven pitchers. They look they look like what am I uh, like like a fantasy team where you know you you just stick with your core group of pitchers. Yeah, their pitching has been so good. Um, you know, Preston Morrison's averaging almost seven innings per start. He's the you know low slot joker on that uh, out of this group. Brandon Finnegan's averaging just under seven innings a start. Obviously, a lot more power stuff and the 96 strikeouts. He's been toward the top of the national leaderboards of strikeouts all year. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. Uh, they are a team that if they can find a way to Omaha, they will be the they could be the UCLA uh, of this year's team, no doubt. Meanwhile, it feels though, Aaron, like Texas Tech is a completely different team. Not a team that uh, gets a lot of publicity. They don't usually have very many prospects. I think that, you know, I feel like the last time I wrote about Texas Tech was uh, when Josh Bard was there. So it's been a while. Uh, he was the turn of the century. So, um, but this is a team that usually goes about it with junior college guys. And they don't usually get the pick of the litter uh, in Texas high school players, and that's fair to say. Um, but they do have uh, an, a ballpark that plays offensively. And uh, they've, they've got a coaching staff. They've had some changes, obviously, in their coaching staff. But it feels like Tim Tadlock has really kind of gotten things going there in the right direction. And this team, they also feel like they have a star in Eric Gutierrez who's, uh, you know, uh, get, gets on base, uh, takes a dose a lot, hits for power a lot, which is hard to find. Uh, it feels like this team is a little bit better. I guess they're the, they're the typical Texas Tech team, and that's a very offensive team. But they're the best version of that lately, and they also they also uh, catch the ball fairly effectively. What's the scouting report that you've gotten from people on uh, on the Red Raiders? Well, you know they're they're, they're one of those blue collar teams um, that that just the sum is better than the parts a little bit. And, and as you point out, they do have some solid parts here. I mean, I really like Gutierrez. That's a that's a that's the guy that scares you in the middle of the lineup. Um, just a, a great swing, and and you know he's he's a little bit of a presence in the box there. Um, you know, and and. I, I think he's he's clearly a key guy for them, um, but you know up and down the lineup they're they're tough outs. That's the big thing that stands out. They're very competitive every at bat. It seems like, and they have, um, you know, they have more pitching depth, a lot more pitching depth than they've had in recent years. That's the other key. Um, you know, like uh, one of these games against Oklahoma, I think they Ryan Mosley was uh, you know didn't last very long. Only went an inning, uh, and then they went to the bullpen and you know settled things down and were still able to win that thing and, and score some runs. So. Um, you know, I, I think that's that's the key for me is um, not only do they have um, some solid, you know, frontline arms, but they've got the depth, I think, um, that, that uh, is, is a little bit of a difference maker for them versus the way it was in the, in the past. But I still think Chris Sadbury, you know, I mean, that guy um, has, has been has had a really nice year left hander that can pitch and has some velocity. He's pretty darn good, um, you know, and, and I. I it's interesting. The biggest name, the, you know, kind of the biggest prospect in that group, um, has has struggled, and that's um, um, I'm drawing a blank on the name. I shouldn't have brought that up, but uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, uh, I wish I could tell you who the who the top prospect was in that team, but I, honestly, that's just not. Uh, I'm not up on my Texas Tech prospects yet. Anyway, they've they've found ways to they found ways to win, and you know I, I just think that they're um, they're well coached. That's the thing about them. You know they're they're just they don't blow you away in any facets, but they're well coached and they're gritty. Yeah, they are gritty. They seem that they're gritty and gutty, and uh, 
you know, it's just, just it, it's, it's encouraging. I think that we finally have some answers on this te- on this Big Twelve. It's felt weird, Aaron, to have one Big Twelve team in the rankings all year, but it didn't, it didn't feel wrong. It just felt weird, and now, like you said, especially because it was the number two RPI yeah. league, and uh, that felt off. And, and, and now it, uh, it, it does feel a little bit more like it makes some sense. But you finally have some teams that have kind of uh, stepped forward there and given us reasons to rank them, which I, I think is is important. Um, a couple other things, uh, Aaron. Uh, we, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the Southeastern Conference. Um, obviously, the, to me, the biggest series uh, there should have been the South Carolina-Alabama series. That seemed like it happened, you know, went about the way that you would expect it. Alabama's scrappy, and they win a game, but South Carolina is the better team and wins the series. But how about Ole Miss, Aaron, going to Kentucky and sweeping that series and just really laying it on the Wildcats, uh, scoring a ton of runs. What did you make of that? that? That just stunned me that Ole Miss went and just demolished a uh, Kentucky team that just when you start to trust Kentucky, they, they do this to us. <laughs> I'm taking it personally. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's it, that was that was very, very one-sided, wasn't it? Um, uh, you know, what can you say? I mean, it's just Ole Miss is, is offensive, obviously. Those are two of the, the most offensive, the, the two most offensive teams in the SEC, and I think that's uh, it's a no-brainer. I mean, you know, this this league has a lot of teams that really pitch and can defend, but not a lot of teams that can score runs the way that Ole Miss and Kentucky can, and Ole Miss showed maybe that they're the best offensive team in the league and not Kentucky. Um, I don't know. I mean, Kentucky's had plenty of offensive outbursts of its own, but boy, I mean, to do that in, in Lexington, um, you know, what is going on with Kentucky? How can you get blown out? That bad in three straight games. Uh, it's. I'm worried about those guys. Their pitching to me is a. Uh, <laughs> I think we have pretty significant reason to worry about their pitching right now. And yes, they can score runs. Uh, I still like their overall body work. I mean, I'm sure people are ready to um, abandon ship on Kentucky after this weekend. But you know, they still have a number of quality series wins. Um, you know, they're they're still in the mix to host a regional. I mean, I, I think right now they're they're behind the pecking order considerably after this weekend now because there's so many other SEC teams uh, in the hosting mix. Kentucky's going to be in trouble there, but they're still alive because, you know, they, they won a series against Florida and they, um, they won a series against South Carolina. Um, so, you know, those are kind of the, the major two feathers in their cap, but this was a huge setback for them. And Ole Miss now is finding it's itself probably in the national, right in the thick of the national seed discussion. They're now tied for first place in the SEC West. Got a great RPI, a lot of quality wins. So, um, you know, Ole Miss, um, Alabama, Florida, those are kind of the teams, I guess, that you'd have to look at at the top of the SEC as you know, potential national seeds. I wonder if all three of those could get national seeds. I think it's, it's entirely possible. This is a 10-bid league that it could get three national seeds, um, and those would be the three teams that I th- think are looking pretty good. It's just so jumbled in the league, too. I mean, the, the SEC West now, Ole Miss and Alabama nodded there, but Florida, you know, Florida's clearly the top team in that league in terms of Look at you know, top eight national seed. They have a gaudy RPI. Uh, they've, they've got on a hot streak here. They get a sweep this past weekend, even though they lost a couple of midweek games. But they do sweep Missouri, kind of taking care of business there. Their last three series, two of them are on the road, but you, know, you do have to like Florida's chances of, of this young team still kind of coming through there. But um, is there really? It feels like Missouri and Georgia are the only two teams you can kind of stick a fork in. As far as regional chances, yeah, Tennessee, Tennessee does feel like it's trending in that direction. Unfortunately, Aaron, for the uh, for the fighting Serranos, they had their moments early, 
Um, but the, you know, lost that series at LSU where they hit Aaron Nola on Friday, but uh, could not hold that lead. Uh, wind up losing that game. Um, are you? Do you have any concerns about Nola? It feels like Aaron Nola. Uh, you know, he. I know he's he's a slight guy, so it feels like he's always better early than he is late, just because you know, he is not a huge yeah. guy. I feel like Aaron Nola. I mean, I, I I like Aaron Nola a lot. I think he's a future big leaguer. I feel like we almost are even a little overheated on his draft stock right now, to be honest with you, because I, I just feel like if you measure him up against Finnegan or Kyle Freeland or Carlos Rodon or Jeff Hoffman, maybe even measuring up with Tyler Beattie, I don't feel like he stacks up well with those guys. I feel like he's more comparable to a Luke Weaver than he is to those guys. Tell me I'm wrong about Aaron Nola. He's not as electric as any of those guys. That's You're right. And if you're looking for an electric arm – um, that's going to make you say, wow, you know, then Nola's not going to do that. I mean, he'll, he'll make you say, wow, and you'll get his numbers. But when you watch him, um, you know, you don't get a lot of that because there just aren't any, there aren't any double pluses on the scorecard, on the, on the scout card. You know, it's, 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 it's solid averages and, and, you know, maybe a couple of, um, above averages, but it's just, he doesn't have certainly um, the wipeout stuff that some of those other guys have, but um, and and I do think that there's there is I wouldn't call it cause for concern, but I, for LSU it might be. Um, he has a history, absolutely right. He has a history of being, I think, better early than late, and we've seen this in the past in his career. And I think it's just because he's he's not a, a physical guy. Um, you know, but I will say that he's also tended to rally when he gets to the postseason. He was very good in the postseason last year. He had that one bad inning against Sam Houston State where the defense let him down, and then he just shoved it. Um, right. You know, he's so. I mean, you know, he's he's uh, he's he's he tended to bounce back, I guess, uh, in the postseason. But I don't know. I mean, I, we'll see what he does next week. Um, I, I'm not going to panic on that guy. I agree that um, you know he's not a se- as sexy a pick maybe as some of those other guys if we're talking from a draft perspective. But I I still think it's like somebody told me earlier this year. I mean he could be the backup plan for everybody in the top 15. You know if they don't get the, the first choice, well, well you know we feel good about Nola. He's safe. You know he's uh, he he's just such a um, consistent. Um, you just know what you're going to get. You know I just just that that's. That's the thing that, that's so valuable with him. So anyway, um, I, I think this league right now, just to go back to something else you touched on, um, you know, it's it is <laughs> it's crazy how every week it just fluctuates. And you know, you talk about Tennessee. Um, the thing about Tennessee that I was worried about was their their closing schedule is so difficult. You know, and it started last week with Alabama, uh, and then at LSU this week, and now they got they got Kentucky, at Mississippi State, and Florida. And the good thing is. To, of those series are at home, so maybe they have a chance there to still do something, but they can't afford to lose all the rest of these series and still get into regionals, obviously. Um, and then you got on the, on the west side, everybody there is still alive for regional. Texas A&M has, has kind of uh, um, had rallied a little bit after they, uh, they, they were looking like they were a long shot uh, a few weeks ago after they lost that series at home to Alabama. They lost to Georgia. You know, They lost a, a number of series there. Um, I think they lost Three other, three other, four series, something like that. Since then, you know, they won a series at Vanderbilt. Um, they lost last weekend at Kentucky or at home against Kentucky, two out of three. But then this weekend they go to Mississippi State and win two out of three. So, I mean, you know, A and M is right in the thick of things in this league now. Um, Auburn, uh, you know, right when you think it's safe to 
to dismiss those guys. They take two out of three against Arkansas. Um, you know, Arkansas is now falling back to the pack. They're 10 11. You know, as soon as we kind of um, bought in on those guys and brought them in the top 25, now they're, they're back down to 59 in the RPI. You know, I mean, and, and the more Mississippi Valley State loses, the more it hurts Arkansas in the RPI. Um, so anyway, this is, this is going to be fascinating to see how it unfolds. Aaron, is Mississippi State in trouble? I mean, Mississippi State loses this series. They're just uh, 40th in the RPI. They're behind A&M in the RPI that I see. They just lost this series at home to the Texas Aggies. they got to go to Auburn and to Alabama still. Mix in a home series with Tennessee. Obviously, no series in the SEC is easy. We've just been talking about that. Could, could If Mississippi State loses two out of those three series, are, are they in trouble? I, mean, I got to feel like the 10th or 11th place team in the Southeastern Conference that split a home series with freaking Holy Cross that looked bad when it went out of conference uh, earlier in the year when they lost three out of four in uh, Tucson to Arizona and UCSB. I don't feel like like Mississippi State is a secure regional team. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, you know, and, and the thing that jumps out to me too is they struggled against quality competition. They're five and ten against the top fifty. You know, in the SEC you get a lot of chances to play top fifty teams, and if you're five and ten against them, that's a fly in the ointment um, for me. So, uh, you know, they they had the one trip this year where they went out west to Tucson. And they went one and three out there um, against Santa Barbara and Arizona. Um, you know, so if, if the committee looks at their non-conference strength of schedule i mean it, at least it's not hey it's not as bad as it usually is usually they just stay at home the entire non-conference and they they load up on on teams that are overmatched from the north this year they kind of got lucky because uh the first weekend you know with a crazy weather deal they wound up playing West, western carolina unexpectedly and western carolina is a good rpi team that's you know the, the best team in the in the socon for me um and and they won, won two out of three so That that was a kind of a break for them, um, but you know, I don't know. I don't know what to make of Mississippi State. I agree with you. They're they found themselves on the bubble, you know, because they've now lost uh, one, two, three of the last four series. You know, they 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 still have some some nice wins. I mean, two or three against Vanderbilt, two or three against Arkansas. But I I just I don't know. I I think they're probably okay. I mean, I'm if, if I'm objecting ahead, I think they're going to be in a regional. But you're right to bring it up. I mean, they're not they're not a slam dunk. And, they basically, Aaron, they basically, um, especially uh, with this they, league, with with you know Auburn and A and M hanging on here on, on the edges, and they had a good March, and they've had a pretty bad. They had a pretty bad April, and if their May is more like their April, I think they're in trouble. I, I think if they lose two of those last three series, I, I think they're. Yeah. I, I think they could be in trouble personally. I, I, I you know, the fact they got to Omaha last year it doesn't carry any weight. You know, uh, it shouldn't. You know, uh, we've, seen, we've seen a lot of teams from last year in Omaha, and we were looking at last year's best regular season team that really start to finish. The best team start to finish last year in North Carolina. They never lost two straight games. They won 59 games. They're, you know, they, they got a much-needed sweep. They're certainly not a lock to go to, go to regionals. I do think they're going to try to go to regionals. Um, and then you've got... You've got uh, uh, you, know, you, you got, got, got uh, State Florida, Florida, NC State, both, both really struggling, 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 really strugg
saying, right, that, uh, you want to you're gonna have too many strikes by Indiana and University of Washington, you'll have more on those teams. But anything else from your trip to the Pacific Coast Northwest that you want to make? Uh, you know, I think I'm good. I, you know, I, I thought it was it was a great trip. I was, I was fortunate to get five games in three days and um, see a lot of really good players here. Um, you know, I, I feel like uh, um, I got I got good games, competitive games. I think that you know the, the Oregon Oregon State series was a lot of fun. It was as I expected it to be, even though the weather was not good on Saturday night. Um, I, I think that uh, you know <laughs> the atmosphere was fantastic. I was so impressed, and I and I talked about this on Twitter um, and in my story. But I was so impressed with those fans because you know it was three thousand plus there and almost all of them seemed like stayed until the very end and it was raining all night and they all wore their ponchos and they were so loud and into it the whole game um, and, and you know they, they were rewarded for it with a, a, a eighth inning comeback and um, more ninth inning drama that Oregon State escaped so uh, that that rivalry is a lot of fun uh, I really enjoyed it Level of people up in the Northwest. They're very friendly up here and ha- had a great trip. Beautiful part of the country. Um, you know, I, I always love driving around here this time of year because it's so green and lush and just beautiful. It makes me happy, especially when the sun's shining as it is right now, and it wasn't on Saturday. That's awesome, Aaron. Uh, I'll, I'll wrap just by saying uh, I did the North Carolina Virginia Tech series this weekend. It was uh, fun to be at three games, uh, bad foot and all. It was fun to uh, See, uh, and I think I saw one of the better games I've seen all year on Saturday. North Carolina Virginia Tech had a, uh, a game with 21 hits, which was stunning. <laughs> that doesn't always happen, um, which was pretty funny. Um, you you got to like, uh, you, you got to have to like get games with offense. We don't see too many games with offense in college baseball, and that was that was one that had uh, a decent amount of offense, but also pretty good pitching. But just a picture-perfect day, like you said, uh, that we we were lucky to have a sunshine, 80 degrees, post-game fireworks. Um, I think I feel like I've bagged on college baseball more this year than in past years, and I kind of hate doing that. And uh, I was just happy to see some some good things. There were a couple of injuries around the country, obviously with Finnegan coming out, Jeff Hoffman not pitching. But we also had some uh, great games, some big series, a lot of college baseball on TV. Carlos Rodon dealing Friday night. I felt like this feels like this was one of the better weekends of the season college baseball-wise. So I'm glad you were out uh, out there experiencing some of it. Hope that some of you who listened got to go to games, got to watch them on ESPNU or uh, on uh, many of the cable channels they were on this weekend. And it feels like it's, it's college baseball's time. So uh, getting, kind of getting jacked for the, for the final part of the season. Uh, we'll look forward to having Aaron back in the office. Aaron, have a safe flight back. For Aaron Fit, I'm John Manuel. This podcast is powered by Louisville Slugger. Leave your mark with a 2014 attack, raid, and assault bat lineup this season. Stronger, lighter, farther, Louisville Slugger. We'll see you next week on the next Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.